Good morning. You know, a few years back, I decided to uh, rent a place for the weekend in Hocking Hills, Ohio. I had never been there before, but reading up on it, it sounded like the Brown County of Ohio. And it seemed like a great getaway. So I got off work that Friday, load up the wife and kids, and drove the three, three plus hours to get there. And I remember this drive as just being miserable. As I was doing battle at the time with a four millimeter kidney stone. Now, if you're not familiar with kidney stones, five millimeter is as big as they say you can pass. Legend has it only Chuck Norris has passed one larger than that. (laughs) So it's dark by the time we get in the Hocking Hills area, and I'm navigating to get to my destination, and we're going into the hills, and it's dark, and the only light is the headlights. And it's kind of scary looking. I mean, it's starting to creep us out a little. I'm starting to honestly think about that movie Deliverance a little bit as I'm driving and I'm getting scared. Well, anyway, the navigator lady is talking and she's letting us know that our place of arrival is up on the right. And my wife's kind of looking out and she's like, my kids are like, and I'm like, we go around a bend in the road And it says, you have reached your destination. And I stop. And we are directly beside an old abandoned church in a rundown graveyard. I mean, this is like straight out of a Stephen King movie. My son Ethan starts crying. He says, take me home, Daddy. I don't want to stay here. Well, I knew I'd paid way too much money to be staying at Freddy Krueger's house. So I turned around and I backtracked slowly and about an eighth of a mile down the road there was a hidden drive. So I pull into there. I'm thinking if somebody kills me, they're probably doing me a favor as much pain as I'm in anyways. So I turn in, I inch my way forward and our lights shine upon an amazing log cabin with a wrap around deck and a hot tub and a fire pit. And we go in, there's a game room, there's pool table. I mean, it was awesome. And the next day when the sun came up, this place wasn't scary. It was beautiful. I mean, the place was great. The scenery was great. The hiking was great. There was waterfalls. I mean, I would recommend this place to anybody. Now, the moral of this story is, one, don't go hiking with a kidney stone. The second moral of the story is things aren't always what they appear to be. You see, we had judged this place based on its outward appearance without getting a clear view of how it really was. And here's the thing, as a society, we do this all the time. We do it all the time. We base everything on appearance. We see and we judge 
by appearance. I mean, watch the news, read the papers, check out posts on social media. We judge people by the color of their skin. We judge people by the color of their uniform. I was always taught you can't judge a book by its cover. And if you do, you're going to miss out on a lot of good books. I mean, look at the cover of this book. It's brown, plain looking. And in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So unlike our culture, God's not into appearance. God could care less how you look. God could care less how attractive you think you are. How popular you are. How famous you are. God is not concerned with the clothes you wear. Unless you're wearing skinny jeans. God hates skinny jeans. So God is not concerned with your outward appearance. Because that's not who you are. God is concerned with your heart. Because that's who you really are. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, the heart. As we continue in this series we're on entitled Kingdom Style, this has been a study of the Beatitudes from Jesus' most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes being nine, or eight, I'm sorry, eight things that Jesus says will bring God's blessing into our lives, eight things that Jesus says will bring happiness into our lives. And today we are going to be looking at Matthew 5, verse 8, where Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So to get a clearer understanding of this beatitude before we really break it down, I want us to take a look at a video that we have for you. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When we talk about the heart, we're talking about much more than an organ that just pumps blood through our body. We're talking about the center of who we really are, our mind, our emotions, our will. Our hearts are a lot like a window. When the window is clean, we can really see who we are and what really matters most. When our hearts are pure, we can focus on Christ. When we allow the window to get cluttered and dirty, it blocks and distorts our view. When the things of the world begin to take over our hearts, we begin to taint our pure relationship with God. Possessions, relationships, and positions. We begin to search for God as if God is the one that is lost. We try to see God by going to church, doing good deeds, And this tends to cloud our perspective even more. Do you really want to see God? If you do, this requires removing the dirt off the window, not adding to it. It requires seeking Him with all our hearts and allowing Him to clear off the mess we created. Focusing our eyes solely on Him and who He is. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. 
Now, I think that you would agree that our goal as Christians is to see God. And at first glance at Matthew 5, verse 8, you might, you might think that Jesus is talking about what we need to do to eventually see God in heaven. But the Bible is very clear about how that happens. You believe in Jesus Christ, you confess Him as your Lord and Savior. If you've done that, your name's written in the book of life, your salvation is sealed, you're going to see God. There's no need to worry about that. But a beatitude is a blessing in this life. Jesus is saying the key to happiness is being able to experience God's presence now. Being able to feel God's power now. To see God working in your daily life. So the question becomes, well, what must we do to see God now? Do we have to be sinless? If so, then I'm guessing we're all probably in a lot of trouble. The Bible says we have all sinned. And we've all fallen short. So, so that doesn't work. The Bible can't contradict itself. So to see God, do we have to be perfect? Because if you have to be perfect and never mess up, then none of us will ever see God. The Bible says there's not a just man on the earth who always does what is right and never does what is wrong. So again, this doesn't match up. I mean, we can't be sinless. But we can sin less. We can't be perfect. But we can chase perfection. We can seek and we can strive to the best of our ability to live a holy life. Maybe instead of chasing after happiness, maybe we should chase after holiness. Don't pursue happiness, pursue holiness. And that's the sticky statement for the week. Pursue holiness. To pursue something means not only do you desire something, but you're working towards attaining it. You see, if you're focused on it, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it, no matter the cost. You know, I remember when I fell in love for the very first time. I was a young lad with feelings that I had never experienced. And it was all because of a TV show called The Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> you fellas my age know where I'm going with this. There was a character on The Dukes of Hazard that made me experience feelings that I never knew existed. And that character was... The General Lee. The General Lee. A 1969 
Dodge Charger. This is a Mopar. This is a muscle car classic. I would watch the Dukes and just drool down my face. And I decided that I was going to have one. So I began to pursue this dream. And I decided that I would do whatever it took to get it. And I bailed hay in 90 degree weather. I was push mowing yards for five bucks. And my big payday was grandpa's yard. You see, my grandpa had a riding lawnmower, but my grandpa only had one leg, so he couldn't actually mow with it. So do you think he let me use his riding lawnmower? No. He made me push mow his yard. Four hours of push mowing a hilly yard with apple trees. There's apples shooting out like cannons. There's bees like everywhere. But he paid me $20 a week. And I saved everything that I made to go towards my pursuit of a Dodge Charger. And after two years of defying child slave labor laws, I had $800. My dad said he would match whatever I had earned. And I found a 1968 Dodge Charger with a black bumblebee stripe equipped with a 383 Magnum that had 335 horsepower in Tipton, Indiana for $1,600. Keep in mind, we had to take a trailer to get it because it didn't run. But I did whatever it took to get what I was focused on. And by the time that I was 16 and had my driver's license, I was cruising my very own General Lee, searching for my own Daisy Duke. (laughs) So here's the point. Anything you desire takes some form of action. If you desire to experience God in this way that Jesus is talking about, and you say, man, I want this blessing. I want this happiness. I want to be able to feel this holiness. It takes some effort on your part because you must pursue it. This is, how, this is what I desire to do. And this is how I desire to do it. James, who was Jesus' brother, talked about this same idea of pursuing holiness. And in James 4, verse 8, he says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. And he then shares two ways to draw closer to God. He says, Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. So he mentions what we think of as an outward action. And then, mirroring Jesus, what he says in the Beatitude, he speaks of an inward action. He speaks of this same purity of heart. And if you notice Matthew 5, 8 and James 4, 8, they're very similar to each other. 
they are both quoting Old Testament scripture that they would have been very familiar with. It's Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, where this exact same question that we've been talking about today was asked. It starts off, it says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? This is just a metaphor. It means who gets to see God? Who gets to live in his presence? Who gets to experience his power? Who gets to draw near to him? And the answer given is he who has clean hands and a pure heart. That's what James said. Same thing that Jesus is saying. So first, I want to talk about pure in heart. What does it really mean to have a pure heart? And how can, we, how can we have this pure heart that Jesus is saying is the key to happiness? The key to not only being able to see God clearly, but to see His purpose and to see His plan for our lives. So to be pure in heart is to have a heart that is devoted to God. To be pure in heart is to have a heart that is devoted to God. Our next line in this psalm says, Who does not lift up his soul to an idol? So having a heart that's devoted to God means you place nobody, you place nothing above God. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's like the video. It's like JB said. Things get blurry when the love for other things take up space in our heart. Whether it's relationships, money, power, possessions. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of these things until you start to pursue these things as the basis for your happiness. When you let your love for these things fill up your heart, God's love for you doesn't change, but your love for Him begins to diminish. Because His place in your heart just got a little bit smaller. And then your happiness slowly begins to depend upon these things. And then you begin to lose Your trust in God. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see, these are things that we must pursue. We must uh, seek. We need to be chasing after. To pursue holiness, we must pursue His purpose. We seek His kingdom. We chase after His will. Man, that's how you draw near to God. That's how you feel that closeness. That's how you begin to see God for who He really is. 
And there's things that we can be doing to help us with this. To help keep our hearts pure. To, to keep our hearts devoted on God. And one way is worship. Worship is a great way to do this. Psalm 86, verse 12, I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Man, worshiping just does something inside of us. When Adam's up here leading worship this morning, man, I'm, I'm just, it's like the Holy Spirit. I could just feel everything inside of me. I'm like tearing up in the back. It's an inward thing. We concentrate solely on God. We're lifting Him up. We're glorifying Him. That's why we begin church with worship. It fills our heart. It sets it in a good place for what's coming next. But you shouldn't just worship at church. I mean, you can worship throughout the week. The thing is, anytime you're concentrating on God and your heart is singing His praises... You're in worship. You've got to make it a regular part of your day. Another way is to read the Bible. Read the Bible. You know, so many Christians read Christian books. There's nothing wrong with that. It's how to do this. How to be that. Don't spend all your time reading books about the Bible. Read the Bible. Open it up and read it. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? See, that's the self-help guide. When we read the Bible, these words just get inside of our hearts. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Man, you need to be reading it. You need to be meditating on these words. This stuff should be marinating inside of our hearts. Another way is to pray. To pray. You see, prayer is your personal connection to God. Tell Him how you feel. Tell Him what you need. Tell Him what you want. You've got to talk to Him regularly like you would anyone that you care about. Anyone that you're desiring a close relationship with. Man, we must pray. We must be praying people. You can't underestimate the power of prayer. Moves mountains, it parts seas, it calms raging storms. You get not if you ask not. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. 
These are three very, very powerful ways to pursue this pure heart that Jesus and James both speak of. Ways that we can pursue a heart that is devoted to God. Now the second way that is mentioned in Psalm 24 to see God is to have clean hands. You see, being, the, being pure in heart is the inward action, but this seems to be an outward action that they're talking about. So what does the Bible mean by this? To have clean hands is to live a life that is pleasing to God. To have clean hands is to live a life that is pleasing to God. Now I know that there's certain people in here that are thinking, wait a minute. This goes against the definition of grace. Grace says there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And that is true. And I'm not talking about doing things to make God love you. I'm talking about doing things because you love God. It's not about what you do but why you're doing it. You see, Jesus scolded the religious leaders of His time. And in Matthew 23, verse 25 and 28, He says to them, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee! First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. So Jesus is saying, it's not about your outward appearance. It's about your heart. It's all about your heart. If you have a heart that is devoted to God, and it's pure, it's going to reflect in your actions. It'll be evident by the way you live. Clean hands come from a pure heart. Clean the inside and then the outside will be clean. So what are some examples of this? What are some, some outward characteristics of having a pure heart? Psalm 24 only speaks of one. It talks about not swearing by what is false. But if we go to Psalm 15, we are given in detail what someone with clean hands look like. And Psalm 15 starts off with this exact same question that we've been talking about today. Who gets to see God? It says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? And the answer... Verse 2, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks truth from their heart. It's saying a person that is honest.
That is saying a person that is honest. 1 John 3 verse 18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You see, honesty is a characteristic of a pure heart. When your heart is pure, your actions are genuine. You're authentic. You don't pretend to be someone that you're really not. You do the right things and you do them for the right reasons. It's called integrity. It's called integrity. Can it sometimes make you unpopular? Yes. Can it make things difficult at times? Yes. But you need to care more about God's approval than the approval of people. See, when your heart is pure, you will be honest in the way that you speak. And you will be honest in the way that you conduct yourself. Not just in the big things, but the small things as well. Some of you know that my actual job is heating and air conditioning. And early this year, my um, lightning struck my mom and dad's house and fried a bunch of stuff. Among the things that were fried was the air conditioner, the, the circuit board on the furnace, the stat. Um, but anyways, I went over and I figured up a very reasonable price for her to turn in to her insurance company. Like everyone, they have a deductible. And she said, well, can you just raise your price up and then figure in the deductible in that? And then I won't have to pay anything. And I said, Mom, I can't do that. That wouldn't be right. Was I her favorite son after that? No. But here's the thing. You're either honest or you're not. There's no middle ground in there. You're not a little bit honest. You see, it's important to me because it's important to God. Next verse says, Whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others. This characteristic is a person that is respectful. Respectful. You know, being respectful... means that you don't talk about people behind their back. That's called gossip. You don't do it, you don't listen to it. You know that accepting stolen goods gets the same criminal indictment as stealing it? So accepting gossip is the same thing as offering it up. There's no difference. 
You know what we need today? We need people who know how to keep secrets. And people that don't just run out blabbing them and putting them all over Facebook and Twitter and social media. You see, a sign of a pure heart is being respectful. And you don't always have to see eye to eye with someone. Truth is, that's never going to happen. You're never going to see eye to eye with everybody. But you, you don't have to agree with someone's lifestyle. Or you don't have to agree with someone's political view. But man, we should always be respectful to them. Romans 12 verse 10 tells us, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So a characteristic of a pure heart is respect. Verse 4, Who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. This describes a person who is upright who is upright. An upright individual isn't afraid to stand for what they believe in. They do it in a respectful way, but they're not afraid to stand for what they believe in. If you believe strongly about something, you don't cave in just because someone is offended because of your belief. Or your convictions. Well, I'm offended by the Bible. Wham, wham, wham. Don't read it. I'm offended by prayer. Well, don't do it. I'm offended when I go out to a restaurant and people are chewing with their mouths open. But I don't sit and stare at them. It's their business. You see, someone that is upright will not change the things that they hold dear and true and sacred in their heart because someone else doesn't like it. And also, a person that's upright, they keep their word. If they say they'll do it, they do it. If they say they'll be there, they'll be there. If they say you can count on it, you know you can count on it. They keep their promise even if it costs them. A characteristic of a pure heart is being upright. Last one. Verse 5. Who lends money to the poor without interest? Who does not accept a bribe against the innocent? This describes a person who's generous. This describes a person who's generous. You see, according to John 3.16, the ultimate purpose of God's generosity was to change lives. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave so that lives would be changed. And our generosity must have that same focus 
You see, being generous is not about your money. Being generous is not about getting that pat on the back. Somebody's saying, oh man, you did a great job. You sure did a great thing right there. It's about wanting to make a difference. It's about wanting to really see lives being changed. And if you're not, you're not able to help everyone, but you're able to help someone. And to that someone... You may be making all the difference in the world. Let's watch this video. It explains what I'm talking about. One day, a man was walking along the beach when he noticed a boy picking up starfish and throwing them into the ocean. Approaching the boy, he asked, Excuse me, but what are you doing? The boy replied, Throwing starfish back into the ocean. The sun is rising and the tide is going out. If I don't throw them back, they'll die. The man laughed to himself and said, But there's too many starfish on this beach. You can't possibly make a difference. After listening politely, the boy bent down picked up another starfish and threw it into the ocean. Then turning to the man, he said, I made a difference to that one. Psalm 15 ends by telling us whoever does these things will never be shaken. You see, when you have this a heart that is pure, you're able to see God clearly. There's no barriers. There's no things of the world that are between you and God. There's just this closeness that Jesus speaks of. And when you have that, you're not going to stumble and fall when adversity comes your way. And adversity will come your way. It's going to happen. You will suffer loss. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have disappointments. You see, your finances can be taken away. Your health can be taken away. But if your happiness is based on Him and who you are in Him, that can never be taken away. And I can't think of a greater blessing than that. So I invite you to stand.
And join me in lifting up our God right now with open hearts. Praising Him and glorifying Him.
close in prayer. God, we just thank you for, God, I thank you for how relevant your word is. God, and we desire to, to draw near to you, to see you in our, in our everyday lives and to see your path and to see your purpose for our lives. God, help us to pursue this pure heart so not only can we experience this happiness, so we can experience this blessing that Jesus teaches us, but so, but so that anything and everything that we do is for the sole purpose of glorifying you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be a prayer team up here if anybody needs prayer. Have an awesome week. Know you're always loved in this place.